0: The mindless, murderous fury that was buried with Jason has been reborn. Hey, Friday the 13th, part five, a new beginning. Rated R.
1: Starts Friday at the Lions Avenue and East Sprague Cinemas.
2: It is, it is a very exciting day here at Reconsinimation. It's a day been, that's been long in the making. Uh, we've been teasing it for a while. A very special day is upon us. Of course, it's David Munchak's favorite holiday of the year. Sometimes it happens even twice. We're talking about Friday the 13th today,
1: guys. Who's, <clears throat> who's pumped for this?
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: As well, president of the Voorhees Institute, I'm super jazzed for this particular episode.
3: Yeah, this is your day. This is your day.
1: It's my time to shine. I will argue it's not a holiday. Just making a, a note. It,
2: it
3: is. is. It's just a day of the year. Uh, <laughs> Joe Biden made it a holiday. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Yep. doesn't need to be. But yeah, no, it's it's one of the... I think we only... Do we get two this year or one? No, just it's, one. Just, just one. the I mean, one. We had two in 2020, which seems to, I think, make sense. Um, and so, 2021, we we have this Friday the 13th, our, our fifth Friday together uh, on the on Reconciliation. So that's right; it's a new beginning. Well, yeah, a one new would beginning. S- one would say it's a new beginning. Yeah, Uh the dawn to- of a new age.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: Sorry. welcome back to another episode of Reconciliation. I'm John Diner.
3: I'm David Munchak.
2: I'm Brent Hutchins and this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s 80s and 90s and we're you know guys we're interrupting Andrew McCarthy August uh, for a very special occasion here so uh, but we we had to celebrate as um, not just Joe Biden but we've made it an official holiday here on the studio lot at Richard's studio So,
1: Jason Jason Voorhees adheres to no rules so uh, Andrew McCarthy who Says Jason. Just for today, just for today. Yeah. Andrew, yeah. Andrew gets
3: the other 30 days of the month. Correct. Uh Jason shines today. Andrew right.
2: kindly steps aside, bows his head down to Jason Voorhees, or not. Or he gets Jason a machete Voorhees.
1: to the face.
2: <laughs> That's right. So we are talking about the black sheep of the Friday the 13th franchise part five A New Beginning. Um, the most go. I would yeah. say probably the most controversial film of the franchise as well
1: well and why is that should we just rip the band-aid right off and get right to it I mean are we gonna go right into spoilers and yeah well yeah, spoilers and any well am not
3: building be- to the, the climax <laughs> of the of the movie in an hour <laughs> like, we have to talk about the Jeez, whole Dick,
1: thing to shit on it
3: I, <laughs> let's just let's just keep hiding the, the big the big twists the if big you reveal. don't know people who are listening want to want a narrative well, and And that begs the
2: question, what what we're about to dive into here, really, when you know what you know about this movie, is this actually a Friday the 13th movie? Yeah. Yes. Yes.
1: Absolutely.
2: 100%. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, you know, technically, like, there is no Jason. There's a lot of red herrings. There's, you know, um, it in a lot of ways, feels like much more of a horror version of a scooby-doo mystery than a friday the 13th film
1: that's valid i mean I don't, I don't disagree with that the scooby-doo uh uh kind of association but you know there are still it's still uh driven you know uh, go ahead david
3: yeah it's like it's it, this that you could argue this is a just a generic horror film with a the 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 Friday the 13th license like splattered on top of it sort of a like any it could have been anything but we're you know it's like it's like a video game that it's like well it's suddenly a Star Wars fighting game but it's like it's nothing to do with Star Wars but it kind of looks cool because it's got all that stuff in it so this is like very Jason adjacent like they and and there's visions and nightmares and hallucinations like Jason's spirit lives on in this film regardless if he's physically there That's right. Well, and I think that's what they kind of was the intention with the
2: title of A New Beginning, that this is a new direction, kind of like we spoke about in Halloween 3, that they're trying something new. They're trying to move in a different direction and tell different stories. Maybe it would have been more accurate to call this a Friday the 13th story, A New Beginning, something like that, like a Star Wars story.
1: Listen, let's get down to it. This guy this movie's just nothing but a money grab. So like there's there's no they're not trying to fake that it's not the real oh, Jason. They don't yeah. want people to know that shit until the end. Like that's that's not Yeah. That's not happening. That's why that's why Corey Feldman has his little bit part so that they could say Corey Feldman was in it again cuz that dude was super his He's career huge. was just starting to blossom and he was starting to become a household name so yeah this is there's there's no beating around the bush this is definitely a money grab
2: yeah and there's uh we're gonna we're gonna get into that before we do though let's just talk real quick early memories of this film Brent, when was the first time you saw Friday the 13th five? do you recall?
1: Holy, holy cow man you know like these all these movies I've seen so many times it's just really difficult to to pinpoint the the first time I saw it. I do think, though, it was once again over at my neighbor's uh, house, Travis, who again had the HBO in in the cul-de-sac, and uh, you know, I'm sure it was on, and I was I was there. So uh, yeah, I'm pretty positive that's where I saw this for the first time. But again, like I said, I mean, all these movies. I just remember seeing them so early on and at such a young age and so many times over and over and over again, that I, I'm not entirely sure the first time.
2: Copy that. Yeah. They, that's, uh, they kind of blend together after a while. And this is definitely one of those that kind of mixes right in dead center in the middle of the franchise and, um, yeah what about you david i I think i know the answer to this but tell me the first tell me all about the first time you saw this film i saw this
1: i think i was there you
3: were there you sat next to me brent this was three years ago uh at a screening of the the tommy jarvis trilogy here and and bonus movies i guess (laughs) didn't you guys go to like seven at this i don't even remember. we went we we, we made it
2: yeah into seven at like I don't know, three in the morning or something. Oh my God. Yeah.
3: yeah. So yeah, my first time ever seeing it was, was, you know, after watching part four and then, and as I've said on the podcast up three or four times now, like I leaned over to Brent after about 30 minutes and said, what the hell is this movie? What are we, why are we watching this? Like, what is this? I don't understand it. It's a fair question still. I, like, I, I couldn't believe what we were watching. Um, and it was less shocking the second time around when I watched it for the podcast, but it was, uh, it was interesting it it i you know it, it felt different all these movies feel different to me i, I think like, one and two i guess are pretty close but i mean they all seem a little different but i was not enjoying this one <laughs> like at the time ooh, like it, it was just wild the second time around i gotta say i've warmed up to it a bit but you know, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing because I think this is the movie and your, your intent, your, the intention is to see it with friends. And I, I did sat with a group of people and I was upset, <laughs> I was upset by the but end. It was your
1: first introduction. And to be fair, like John I and wasn't... I are probably a hard group to see these with the first time. Cause we're like super fans, right? right. So that's and gotta I'm... be obnoxious. And then you're watching it for the first time. You're like, what the hell am I even getting myself into?
3: Yeah. And I'm coming from a biased point of view of like, I don't even want to, I kind of don't want to be here. Like, I mean, I don't (laughs) want to be there. I don't even like you guys. (laughs) We're um, out of beer. The chips are gone. Like, why am I even here still? (laughs) But it was, it was you guys. And you know, there was like, what? or five other people there, I think, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it was, it was a group thing. It was fun. It was a fun time, and 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 for the experience of it, it was it was great. Like you know, the movie itself, though, I was like, it was just a head scratcher. Like I don't know what's going on here. I kind of got it, obviously, by the end, like what the the point. But it's just like the creative decisions are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't mean crazy. I mean they're very like well, they are unconventional. Though. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, it was a it was an interesting time uh, at yeah. in the movies yeah we're, we're gonna
2: get into where where all those decisions came from and why it ended up the way it did so so everybody buckle up we're this is here we go a long oh ride.
1: let's dive in
3: <laughs> we're getting into second gear now let's go i yeah.
2: um i didn't see this one until college so i only had seen like the first one or two maybe three uh back in high school or before then but we've mentioned it here on all of the other episodes that we've we've covered for Friday the 13th which is parts 1 through 4 which you can find in the archives at www.reconsiderationcom i saw this at a good friend uh, maybe his name is Brent uh oh, that, had, guy. that guy uh had a a one of the best parties of our college lives at his residence and Uh, a lot of crazy things were going on but in one one room we were running the friday the 13th uh franchise really from beginning to end and having drinking games along with it and it was a hell of a good time but that was the first time i saw part five so i was unaware of the tommy jarvis trilogy of his character what happens in that trilogy all of it was new to me so i was very much fixated on, on like this bizarro land episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, that was my first memory of it. And I actually really had fun with it. I, I've been kind of a a mild defender of the movie that I, I get why people don't like it, but I've always enjoyed it. Cause it had uh, some interesting deaths. Uh, obviously were c- cut down uh, from what they could have been, but yeah, uh, right a few of them really stood out for me and and i was just kind of amused by the whole thing more than anything but uh, yeah
1: well and it is it is very much like a transitional entry into the franchise right mm-hmm. like cuz it goes from being dark and and kind of serious and grotesque and gruesome from you know 1 through 4 this one like you just mentioned john it does have some gruesome kills, but like very much, got run through the 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 editing machine of the MPAA and had to like pull back on a lot of that. And then and then from this point forward, after this movie, like it all gets really super like meta. Like, you know, Jason is very much a super being of of beyond worldly existence, and so. Uh, but this is kind of the the in between it is the new beginning
2: yeah, it sure is
1: but but in so many different ways
2: and i've always found the evolution of this particular franchise really interesting because uh, if you if you really look at how these films were made it's it's quite fascinating how you know they take the first movie from nothing and and pretty much a straight halloween kind of rip off and becomes this huge success and then turning it morphing it into this franchise and movie after movie after movie that it was never intended to be that there was never an overall plan it was just kind of winging it each time and which movies work and which movies don't and if you're a horror fan which ones appeal to you and and if you're not a horror fan do any of them is there anything redeeming uh for you as a viewer but um yeah a really interesting especially sort of independent filmmaking these are you know how paramount studios is involved with this whole franchise has always been interesting to me that sort of friday the 13th is like the redheaded stepchild of of their uh library
1: careful. right what?
3: careful
2: okay i'll take that one out no keep it in
0: <laughs>
2: but let's All right, I'll take this out yeah. <laughs> no, no offense no
3: offense to redheaded people with that comment so it, yeah we, we don't mean anything, but it. it's just it's a phrase we're phasing out. We're phasing it out. We're yeah. getting there. That was the we're last getting... time we say it. Was, it's, it's, that's that's farewell. it's been phased. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So sorry, guys. Uh,
2: but yeah, how it's sort of the forgotten, you know, push to the side uh, part of their library, but they'll take all the money it makes, but they're not going to like really like push yeah, in exactly and, and own up to like it's they'll never say it's there yeah, they never they
1: they're like we don't want any part of it we just give give us the receipts yeah like we <laughs> just want the money
3: it's for the it's for the balance sheets like you know the success of this helps pay for some of the other projects exactly really. yeah. you know like it's well, just spend a little make a a bit more and then just keep that going you need those small things you like, they they weren't making blockbuster movies constantly like that they do the studios do now i mean no.
1: well and they were getting they were getting a ton of flack for all the the gore and all the you know kills and things like that i mean part 4 really was supposed to be the final chapter i mean but then it made 22 million on a budget that was way way smaller than that and so within it wasn't even i don't even think a full year they were like well maybe yeah. I think it was like thirty, make another
3: one. Be 30, 30, 32 million or something. Yeah, I like. know What it finally was. Sorry, yeah, I think. yeah, something pu- like, <laughs> like I think, still minuscule budget, and then in yeah. the thirties. So yeah, yeah. When you make thirty times back your investment, pretty cool. Yeah,
2: yeah it's. they diving it, in. It was too much. It was still too successful to ignore. They couldn't just. <laughs> They couldn't just stop the train when it's still making that much money. And yeah, there's, you know, Paramount of the late seventies and early eighties had a lot of misses and there were, you know, yes, there were, there were hits in there. There were Beverly Hills cops, you know, here and there, but uh, overall they were, they were in trouble and they needed kind of almost like easy wins that this franchise was giving them. So as much as they didn't want to admit it, they, they yeah. needed it. Absolutely. Absolutely and and it's just you know again you can and check out our other episodes to hear kind of the story of how this franchise evolved from the first film through the fourth and why they made certain decisions and and Brent you're absolutely right four was the final chapter that was going to be it it was over jason was gone the ending the franchise everyone's moving on except it's a massive hit and mm-hmm. Uh, With that, uh, almost immediately, they turned around and were like, "Mm, let's figure out a way to keep this going. So maybe it's not with Jason. Maybe it's something else. Maybe we, you know, morph it into this Tommy Jarvis character and make him step up and become the new Jason. Is that the direction we want to go? And uh, the answer was, yes, they went that way. And no, they didn't at the same time. So
1: Well, right. I mean, the plan was for them to go that way, right? And then... This one didn't end up doing nearly as well,
2: right? Uh, yeah, and we'll get to the box office later yeah. and see how how it how it turned out. But that was the idea and the concept of this one. So, um, so everyone, let's let's uh, get in the time machine way back to nineteen eighty eighty four, really, and and Friday Four has just come out. So, uh, Frank Mancuso Jr. is sort of the took the reins from Sean Cunningham after the first movie and was really the leader of this franchise, even though he didn't, (laughs) didn't want to admit that uh, really wanted to get away from this as quick as he could and start. uh, He's a young producer and wanted to really get his career going with films that uh, were more of something he wanted to do. Not that he was just kind of saddled with, but um, he was still associated with this franchise. And at this point, with part five as elected to kind of step back a little bit, take an executive producer role, be involved with the bigger picture decisions and not so much on the day-to-day level. So uh, we talked about the boys from Boston who helped uh, really get this uh, franchise funded. And that's uh, Phil Scuderi, uh, Robert Barsamian and uh, Steve Manazian, who were very, they were they were film distributors and uh, that were really had ties to the adult film industry and kind of a seedy side of the film uh, business, but uh, they helped get the first movie going. They owned uh, some of the rights to it and had some kind of control over it. Still mostly Phil Scuderi did. So, so Mancuso steps back, Scuderi Scuderi. kind of jumps in a little bit and uh, takes, takes a little bit more active control and, he brings in, believe it or not, the script supervisor from the second and third movies, Martin Kittrosser, who, if you're a Quentin Tarantino fan, that name might sound familiar. He is Tarantino's script supervisor on all of his films uh, yeah. to this day. So, uh, But he actually wrote the initial story for this uh, and did a couple of rewrites. Um, his uh, initial idea was to continue the... Uh, Ginny storyline from part two. Oh, bring her back, bring her back. And she is in a mental institution, kind of, I guess, kind of a similar plot to what Halloween 2 ended up being. But, um, that got, you know, overall kind of rejected and morphed into, into. Uh, another idea of just kind of coming up with something fresh and new for, but keeping it sort of like the summer camp situation instead of taking it out of that entirely. So, mm-hmm. um, so uh, Martin Kidrosser writes a script. They uh, Scuderi finds a director by the name of Danny Steinman, who is kind of right in the centerpiece of all the controversy of this movie. He was a, uh, an adult film director who directed several, several of those films in the 70s and uh, eventually kind of morphed into uh, directing his own feature films uh, outside of that. Uh, one of them was called Savage Streets starring Linda Blair. So another sort of exploitation film, but that really got the attention of Scuderi and he felt like he would uh, Steinman would be a good fit here. And, uh, that was probably a controversial decision and, and, uh, but one that they went with next was the story. And what are we going to go with if we're not going to do the continuation of the Ginny storyline? And the next logical step is the Tommy Jarvis storyline. So, uh, what do you guys think? Do you guys, how did you feel about the ending of Friday Four? where we left off? I mean, uh, Corey Feldman plays Tommy Jarvis in that film and he's killed jason for good sliced his head wide open him and our dear friend uh trish played by by kimberly beck uh survived the film and but we're left with a cliffhanger of is has tommy has little tommy gone crazy at the end what what where would you have picked up the franchise from this point
3: uh i think that's an if you're gonna like like that was a huge hit like that's a that's a star character right like you'd, you'd want tommy to sort of be front and center i think the next time um which you know is kind of a shame because like you've had all these final girls over these four these movies and they don't become they're not like the star of the next movie you know they they it was designed to kind of move on um but if you're gonna like you want to latch on to the success of the fourth one i mean yeah it, it would make sense to maybe bring them both back right Him and then his sister um so i think you start there right
1: yeah i think yeah. if you're i think if you're trying to i mean i think when you take a look at the 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 movies leading up to this one tommy uh you know the Corey feldman version of tommy in at the the end of uh part four is super compelling there's a lot of there's a lot of directions you can go from there. And if you're trying to put like kind of the Jason Voorhees bit to to bed, like it does make sense to kind of build on the Tommy character and what having gone through that traumatic experience might turn a young person into, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's uh, absolutely feels like the logical way to go. And, and they do, but we have some, some roadblocks ahead here. Corey Feldman at this point is a rising young star. He's already been in Gremlins. He's been all over TV and commercials and I think a few other films. Um, but, you know, he's he's kind of connected with Spielberg at this point. And, yeah, he's.
1: I think he's actually filming Goonies right now. Like, correct, yeah. The scene that he did do for this, like the cameo that he made, apparently they did in his backyard. Yeah. Because he was so busy, he couldn't... Wow show up anywhere else.
2: Yeah, it's a crazy story that that um, he was off uh, making goonies which would then propel him even further. Uh, so he was not available and they they have to figure out all right if he's not gonna play you know if he's not gonna play Tommy, what are we gonna do? They do get him back. he does agree to come back for a very short like I think it was a one night shoot and yes they did it filmed it in the, his backyard or his neighbor's backyard. Brought in, you know, they didn't even bring in a rain machine. They just br- hooked something up to a hose and kind of created the rain, but did it all to make it as easy as possible for Corey. Um, so and and all he filmed are those shots that where you see, you know, you're looking at him and it's like maybe five or six shots and that's it. Everything from his point of view was filmed elsewhere without him and mm-hmm. it was quick and easy. And hopefully, hopefully, he made a, a good uh chunk of change from that, but uh. I don't have those details in our, our, our financial records here at reconsider studios. (laughs) Uh, so, all right. So if Corey can't do it, what are you going to do? So they make the choice and here's where I think it starts to already go off the rails. They set the story five years, five years later. Right. So it's now technically it's like 19 set in 1989. Part right. 5 takes place in
1: 1989. No mention uh, of that anywhere, though, right?
3: No mention of that. Just totally... Yeah. There right, here we go. There's no time mentioned... he's, is he supposed to be like 17, 18 in this movie? Like... Well,
2: yeah, he's supposed to be... Yeah, somewhere around there, 16, 17. And, and they cast an actor by the name of John Shepard, who um, was uh, another up-and-coming young actor at the time and had a, a bright future. and And... He steps into this role where, but he looked like, he looks like he's like 30. Yeah. So it's a five-year advancement that looks like, you know, 15 years. Yeah.
3: That's why I thought this might take place in the mid nineties, technically. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, it just is like, you, you put them side by side and it's really, it's like, it takes you out of it. It's so such a drastic change. Yeah.
1: Right well and every other movie up to this point Is like the next day right
2: Right they're all like right after one right after another That um, they're all taking And taking place in different places Around Crystal Lake uh, But it's all timeline wise Happening very very much consecutively Yeah There's a little gap there's a little discrepancy Between two and four Because we have one of the characters in The final chapter is searching for his sister Who was killed in part two which is supposed to be like days earlier, but it actually in that story, it sounds like it's years later. So yeah. there's, you know, they're never spot what, on the timeline.
3: Well, what about, wasn't the final girl from two? Wasn't she living in an apartment?
2: That's from one, Adrian King, who survived
3: the first one. She was in that apartment and he had, yeah, at the beginning her. of two. Yeah. At the beginning of two. Yeah. So that's not the next few days, right? That's, that was, it's supposed was... to be with, it's supposed to
2: be within like two weeks. All
1: right, yeah, so okay, not magically five years later, I suppose. I just thought maybe
3: some time had gone by. So, but the next part of the problem is that
2: this whole movie we actually don't know where this is taking place because it is not at Crystal Lake. We don't know if it's maybe nowhere near Crystal Lake. We don't know what where this is happening at all because it's 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 what Pinehurst uh, like rehabilitation center like pinewood yeah. home for
1: delinquents or something yeah. like that yeah.
2: yeah uh where it's sort of a not really a i wouldn't say it's a halfway house but it feels like it it's
1: it's a, it's a varying mix of of people in different uh struggling mindsets i suppose yeah, yeah. for you a live in
3: place for youths troubled youths
2: troubled youths uh, of which we now realize that Tommy is one of these because he's uh in this in this dream sequence with Corey Feldman in the beginning it's it's this very much PTSD style dream of of Jason returning from the dead and coming after him that he's uh, one can imagine reliving this over and over and over and has never been able to like let go of that of that trauma from what happens in uh in the final chapter but uh, we meet him en route to, uh, en route to this facility. And, and it's, so there's troubled teens of all, with all varying problems uh, from stuttering to uh, psychotic breakdowns to what, like break dancing and <laughs>
1: <laughs> major sweet tooth n-
2: nymphomania, um <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. They'll yeah. just take anybody. And runs And that, that they're gonna let them walk around with axes and you know, the one who's got the probably the most appearing to be anger
1: issues, the largest anger issues yeah. of the
2: group. Oh, he gets to wield the axe. So good. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah, it's kind of unwieldy. They kind of have complete freedom. There doesn't seem to be any set schedule of things and no, a <laughs> anything very, that happens.
1: A very laxed environment. So. Yeah.
3: There was no attempt to sort of establish this as a Anything resembling reality, I think.
2: No. Yeah. <laughs> and really quickly, the movie just like takes this right turn when we, we meet all these teens and we see this character, Joey, who is sort of that 80s traditional uh, or stereotypical uh, portrayal of someone with mental mental issues.
0: Here, it, want a bite here, I'll just put it over here. And later on, when you're hungry, you can have it.
1: Well, if that's the way you feel, forget it, Vic. Just forget it. But I think you're really out of line.
2: And he's got his candy bar, and he can't do anything right. He gets chocolate all over everything. He's annoying everybody. And he picks the wrong guy to annoy on this day. A character named Vic, who is played by Mark Venturini, who... Horror fans would know from *Return of the Living Dead*, which we've mm. covered here and is in our archives at Uh And uh, he's just uh, picked the wrong day to, to pester uh, Young Vic, who, while chopping wood, just <laughs> turns around and chops up Joey right in front of everybody.
3: Yeah, middle yeah. of the middle of the day, shining bright,
1: <laughs> like like angry chops. Not not he was fully committed to to dismembering this dude yeah i mean it's it's brutal yeah, yeah. of which we really see nothing no. and this is
2: the first uh hint that we're going to have some problems with the mpaa that you've got uh, a pretty significant death early on and, and we see almost nothing yeah. Um, yeah significant death not caused by jason Voorhees. correct correct um in fact none of the deaths in this are caused by jason Voorhees, as we'll we'll come to find out and we meet th- yeah. W- oh, go ahead, Brent.
1: I was going to say, none of the real, this is how do, how do we put this? None of the real deaths, none of the story driven deaths, but the dream sequence deaths are are Jason, right? We have to imagine. Jason
3: does win in the dreams. Yeah. yeah. He kills two guys in the dreams.
2: Yeah. But they're <laughs> not real. So do they count? You know, fair enough.
1: Are, is any of it real? Is that's, there is right. no spoon, John? <laughs>
2: Uh so we get um, we meet these two paramedics who come and and uh to to take the body of Joey away and we get I mean it's really when you know it's coming like it's easy to see like they give it oh, away yeah. early like this, this paramedic is, this is, Roy this is
1: like it's like the sixth sense you know I mean once you <laughs> know the secret you see all the signs mm-hmm.
2: yeah and I remember well, the first time I watched it at at, at your party Brent noticing that they're like wow we're hanging on this particular paramedic's reaction a little long and it's a little intense yeah. so blue Frigno light it's right. just like what's it does look like that Roy, um, what's his name roy burns is it burns is it roy it's, burns it's roy, uh, I roy. Think so. yeah uh played by an actor named dick dick wyand yeah this, this is true yeah but yeah so um you know, suddenly it's after this point that Jason starts to appear, and and the movie goes in a lot of different sort of many different directions. We we see these all these we're following all these characters who are not camp counselors. They're they're uh, they're you know these troubled teens at this this camp. Uh, well, not even a camp. It's sort of this uh, facility facility. Yeah, uh, so. We follow them, but we really don't know anything about them. We don't know their what we, they're sort of each fall into a stereotype. We meet these two really crazy, like redneck neighbors who are... Ethel
1: and Junior? You think I
3: don't know what those two perverts were doing in my yard? Say it like you mean it, Ma!
0: Would you shut the fuck up?
1: I mean, everybody in this is like kind of a caricature of of other you know kind of cheesy, like, like when you watch SNL and they're doing, you know, like this is, this is the country folk. It's, you know, I mean, it's oh. over the top and just way, way to the, to the, to the 11.
2: Yeah. And they're trying to, you know, I think there's a lot of red herrings of, of who, you know, at the, so it's like, they're telling you it's Jason. Cause you know, it's somebody with the mask who's, killing people right yeah one by one but it's also you know i think they're also trying to hint is it one of these guys as jason you know well, is i mean i think
1: that's why it's kind of can it like it's confused right because yeah. you're right there's a bunch of red herrings there's there's the random guy who wants to like clean chicken poop for food and then there's there's obviously what's going on with tommy jarvis um but as an audience member who's first seeing this movie your expectation is it's jason you're not even thinking that it's somebody else like i i wouldn't imagine right yeah so so they they try to really lay into this it somebody else thing but like i don't think anybody's expecting that or or picking up on it
3: well they don't even show the mask for 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 a few bunch of those killings right, right? right. you don't right. see the mask until way later yeah so, way you're right way later yeah. on so though it's almost like well that's like the. Cluing you in is like, well, anyone could be doing the murders. And then they finally confirm it, so to speak, with, you know, the mask um, that it's him. So it kind of like builds to this thing because, yeah, yeah. I mean, because once you have Vic kill somebody, it's like all bets are off. Anyone could be a killer. And that's the the idea. That's what they're trying to show you, I think. I don't think successfully because it's like, well, it's a Friday the 13th movie. We keep doing the little soundtrack bit. You know, it's a guy in a jumpsuit. Yeah,
1: <laughs> like with a hockey mask, it's Jason. Well, and, and then, then boom, here's
2: the
3: mask.
1: Yeah, like,
2: yeah. and the sheriff does say it. You know, I think about halfway through the movie that he says, yeah. he just calls it out. Like, oh, this is Jason. This is Jason Voorhees doing it.
3: Yeah, and the mayor just can't believe it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, ah, oh, you gotta get me something. Give me a suspect. It's
1: the first he's sheriff just... in any of these movies that's been like, it's Jason.
2: But, yeah, it's Jason for sure. All the others just completely deny it and rule it out immediately yeah. uh, but this guy who also just does not you know le- again continuing in the the uh stellar line of of, of effective uh, sheriffs in this franchise and i say that sarcastically that um yeah maybe he's no he assumes it's jason but has done nothing to actually solve this crime or even get a clue
3: yeah, yeah. he's just sitting in his office sitting with the other the boys at the station smoking his stogie and like but yeah he's the smartest cop in the franchise who like puts it together because these are horrific murders that like normal people don't do and then uh and like the movie collusion like tommy could be the main guy only because like they're in a random town and tommy also happened to show up it's just that no one accuses tommy like the audience just has to make the leap Right, But no, I don't think anyone accuses him, right? Like there's no, 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 so, no. no, There's no, uh, which which I think actually what you would be super obvious to do. I think you actually would have made sense if like a, one of the characters didn't trust Tommy. Like you came to town and now everyone's dying.
1: Well, right. I mean, like how hard would it have been for, for the sheriff to say, you know, we should keep an eye on this Tommy Jarvis character, especially since earlier on it, when, when Joey does get hacked to pieces and he's at the, he's at, what is it, Pinewood or Pinehurst? or? Whatever? I think it's Pinehurst. Pinehurst, you know, he's talking to the, to the facility manager about Tommy. And it's like, yeah. you know, I mean, that's not a hard leap to make.
3: Yeah. It's funny. Cause like, I, I, I think it's, <laughs> maybe I would have criticized the script for being so obvious. Like, oh, everyone, they're making a point to point out like Tommy. Yeah. But actually that it would be fun to like create this red herring like that. Well, maybe Tommy has really turned we don't have any evidence that he's not killing anybody and like we can just sort of help hold that suspicion throughout the movie like because you almost need another character to have that suspicion to really justify it um but so i think that's that's actually missing something that could have helped propel that like mystery yeah and then when it's like it's a double twist where it's like it's still not jason but it's this random guy that has no that the camera tells you that it's, it's him not because like the story compels you that way. There's no story evidence to get you there. Yeah. So it's, which is so weak, you know?
1: Well, and it could have even been more fortified by, you know, like when Tommy has his little, you know, I mean, he has his, we have, he has his uh, visions where he sees Jason, but like he also has these moments where he goes from being like quiet and docile to like, just, Laying ass whoopings on people, like if yeah, awesome if they weren't stuff. so Jim Cotta style, like he's <laughs> yeah. some kind of American ninja and more like blunt force trauma style, like like yeah, yeah. way that Jason would have would have done it, like you know it could have it could have even more easily like kind of laid the foundation for this. Is it Tommy Jarvis? But they never right. really like fully invest or 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 push that, you know, like well, if they yeah you know, all sorts I mean, of other random shit in there and it's just confused
2: they could have you know and, and even even from the mask angle you know tommy in both four and five has this fascination with masks right what if right. when what if when uh shavar ross's character is around because he's he's very nosy and getting into things he shouldn't what if he like opens the drawer and jason's hockey mask is there so yeah you yeah, yeah. Know, just one little Clue, or, or like, or I—God mean, forbid—a machete. You know, right, <laughs> that'd be right. a little yeah. too.
1: That'd be much, maybe much, too much. But yeah, yeah. but uh <laughs> I think we got it figured out, guys. Let's remake this and let's, let's
3: do it. Let's, yeah, let's do a new beginning the right way. <laughs> <laughs> a new, new beginning. We throw out everything you know from the original <laughs> from part the original. five. Now this new part five is the new kid
2: yeah. and that's the title. Everything you just said—that's the whole. <laughs> that's
3: the whole thing, <laughs> and we get we get Corey Feldman back. So. It's He'd
1: do place it. In 2020. He'd probably do it now. <laughs> he would.
2: Yeah. Corey Feldman has said he would come back to play this character. That his he feels like his connection to this was never resolved.
1: And Guys, you know, newsflash: Corey Feldman would come back to play any character at let's, this point yeah, in let's, his career. Let's be honest. Let's. Yeah. let's <laughs> I think probably. Why but not? I would Who love would it. Yeah. Why not? I mean, yeah. plenty of them are are beloved.
2: Um. But let's let's you know, in talking about Corey and talking about Tommy's character, you know, we it was it always bothered me that you know Trish was just as much sort of the hero and survivor of of the final chapter and makes it not only does not make an appearance here but is not even mentioned at all. Right? What uh, happened me, to her? As a viewer, I was always wanting to know. You know, she seemed kind of okay like she wasn't headed toward the the mental institution at the end of that movie so what happened to her character if you want to know the answer uh you should check out our very special episode where we interview Kimberly Beck who played Trish Jarvis uh which you guessed it you can find in our archives at www.reconcinemation.com we had a a nice chat with her about her involvement in the franchise and where where it went and and uh, why she was not a part of this, but still, that being said, just as a straight viewer, I, I felt like that was an element that was another uh, kind of miss in this movie that you could have, you could really have done a-, a lot more with getting emotionally involved with these characters and tried to do something instead of just kind of hitting the formula again and without really much of an effort for story or character. As we meet all of these characters, Brent, you hit the nail on the head that they're really like caricatures that they're not um they just don't feel like
3: actual humans they're not people they i feel like i'm watching a, a high school play like yeah. there's two greasers in the movie what yeah. the fuck is that where <laughs> did that come from
0: what you doing up there Vinny? Woo! all right
3: these two kids these two dudes and one's like this alpha male they both look like they're 100 pounds and they're just like these greaser dudes are having car trouble
1: what so weird i mean i I keep going back to Ethel and jr and they're just like oh i mean it's like it's like you know when when you go to a dinner theater type thing and you see like the hatfield and mccoy's (laughs) you know on it's like mama 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 mccoy or whatever like all just over the top and not me it's just like too much too it's much so
3: weird the mayor was a little too much over the top just sort of like yeah ah, you gotta get me you gotta get me a suspect and he's just sort of like this character yeah. which is a fine choice whatever but it's just like who are all these people like just who are turned it up to 11 yeah um
1: every single one of them every single one of them are a stereotype that is just ratcheted up
3: but i gotta say like as far as not like characters that don't have a lot of screen time and they're all these like crazy wacky characters. The best character by far is Demon. Demon and Anita yeah. are like the greatest <laughs> characters ever and like I mean Reggie's like th- <laughs> Reggie's great like I was like and I was like if Reggie dies I'm I'm leaving. Like I no remember way. thinking yeah, that yeah, first, is I'm like you kill Reggie I'm I'm out. I'm yeah. gonna leave the I was gonna leave the viewing party I'm out of here like this sucks. But of course, like Reggie makes it to the end. But then he meets his—he's out with his brother. They're just having a good time, like in the van. I was like, oh, I kind of want to watch like twenty more minutes of this, like just hanging out. Yeah, that
2: dynamic uh, is—is—is that family dynamic is really interesting.
3: Yeah, and of course, uh, Demon was played by uh, Miguel Nunez, Miguel Miguel A. Nunez
2: Jr., who also another connection to Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, I mean, and he was—he
3: was one of the best parts of that movie oh he's great like, yeah so I was a and a really
2: a really memorable scene for so
3: many reasons that it's just like there's a lot of layers there like he, yeah. he, he basically lives in a van but he's got like he's got jewelry and awesome leather clothes and an amazing and like perm and drugs and then the when he's offering
1: you're just like okay
3: yeah he's got his girl over and leather offering, outfits like hey did you eat do you want enchilada how about a taco you want some pizza here's a and then something else and i was like he's got all this food just ready to go to like just sit there what is
1: what is that about is that the munchies yeah it's gotta be is that their depiction of this is what happens in your van if you have the munchies i guess so he's just like they're ready to to smoke
3: up hang out eat (laughs) like i was there was no reason to kill them i was so i was they're the they're my they're the sad Saddest deaths of the movie. Saddest, but but that that that
2: outhouse death is just that entire thing is so awkward and hilarious that yeah you know okay so a couple of things this movie has a number of of bowel characters with bowel issues and people needing to immediately go poop and no (laughs) no uh, toilet paper around that's not a thing in this franchise. If you need to get
1: people alone, what better way than to have them need to go to the bathroom? Yeah. Oh, hey, you okay? Oh, some damn enchiladas.
2: Yeah. But, they, but he goes to the outhouse, and then Anita like follows him. And I don't know of too many couples that are so close that when one goes to the bathroom, the other follows and they serenade each other. Like while. they're
3: singing. They could hear everything. Yeah. I'd yeah. Be get out of here. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> get
0: out. Is- ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. Ooh, baby baby ooh, baby
1: hey baby hey baby ooh, baby ooh, baby ooh, baby ooh, baby. Ooh, baby go the back to the man was, oh, yeah the singing's <laughs> a little much i think his 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 quick exodus to the bathroom does warrant some going to the bathroom and banging on the walls to give him a hard time at the <laughs> that maybe i'll sure. give you that yeah
3: that's but, i mean it's funny but like she stayed there and like singing ooh. this
1: ooh baby ooh baby, what? That's weird.
2: <laughs> like I don't want to talk about how much I love you while I'm I'm going number two. Yeah, uh, yeah, not it's a not a thing
3: in a metal box. Like yeah yeah. Like just get out, get out of here. But you know what? That's how close they were as a couple, and it led to some trickery, and uh, a brutal, a pretty brutal death for for both of them. Yeah yeah, for both yeah. of them. There is so many gut shots so many death by st- like things through the midsection yeah and the unfortunate thing of, of the all these edits is like they don't it's so uninteresting oh yeah the, i mean all the cuts right. they had to make to keep it an r rating um i mean there's plenty of other deaths there's like 20 something deaths in this movie right there's
2: yeah there's 20. To, i i count yeah.
1: 21 so Holy did shit. i but i've read that there were 22 but i i also counted 21 yeah 21 i think one deaths not Mm -hmm. by and that includes every like all the deaths including including joey's and not just not just jason Voorhees style right
3: right but like there was just a lot of just stabbings that are blood like kind of bloodless and not interesting and then um... well yeah
1: i mean they cut down i mean that's the thing like some of them are pretty like whether they were whether they had more to them or not at one point, I don't know, but like some of them are just kind of straightforward and non-interesting, but then there are some that are, have the potential to be really interesting. And then they did cut the shit out of them. Like, I mean, there's the, there's the dude that dies in the woods with the belt around his eyes. Uh, Oh yeah. Oh, that was supposed to talk about that.
3: That's probably the best kill, right? Like that, that's amazing. Yeah. That's that's my favorite in the
1: mouth is another one that was like, where they cut a bunch out and, you know, um, and then I, I think they did cut a bunch of the stuff out for Joey's death. Like just, uh, but I'm not, you know, obviously that's not a Jason kill, but still like, there's just a bunch yeah. that got, that mo- got axed.
3: The movie has all the, the cable TV cuts, right? Like you have to, shoot, right. I mean, there's no way they didn't shoot these, these murders. So no, no, they, they shot they, them
1: and they cut them out and they destroyed the footage. Like it's they, gone. They,
2: they, Shot um, so many more of these were, were much more elaborate and gory. And this movie went to the MPA nine times to get a uh, final approval. So it kept getting, getting cut back, sent back and sent back and sent back. But uh, yeah, Joey's death, uh, the greaser, uh, I think Vinny was his name with the flare to the mouth. Violet had an entirely different death where she was, chopped oh yeah she was was another handstand death yeah yeah um the uh the the greaser who gets his throat slit that was much more gory the uh jake and tina's death was much more visual there was a lot more to it and the head crushing for jake um yeah so there was there was a lot more to almost every single one of these that yeah uh there was literally the moment of impact had to be removed. So you, if you really look at it real close, like you actually don't see a lot of the yeah. impact happen. You just see it almost about, we cut away, cut back and they're like falling over, you know? Right. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. on top of the gore, there was also a, a lot more nudity in this movie. And the Steinman had done that to try and get the MPAA to pay more attention to the nudity so he could, Sneak the gore in uh, mm-hmm. But I think ultimately what happened is There was so much that even Paramount Didn't even let it get past their screening Of it and he had to cut That stuff down and so this movie was Absolutely like ravaged By by edits uh, After the fact
2: Well and let's talk about Danny Steinman So he was Apparently a very intense guy um, And if you, you read interviews With the cast and the crew you get a lot of different uh, points of view on it. Uh, you know, a lot of the actors actually did enjoy working with him. A lot of the crew it sounds like did not. Um mm-hmm. that he would have these he had a dark side that um he was very focused on the deaths and the sex in the movie and um he really structured the movie like a like an adult film that it's yeah. all about the money shot. So, you know, the character like we said the character work and the and the um sort of design of these characters was just not really present and that it was just about you know getting to the death getting to the sex scene the first day of filming was the sex scene between Jake and Tina and Jeez. apparently was um very very graphic it was
1: like, epic it was like three minutes longer than what made it in the movie like yeah it was, like it the was original a... cut was like four minute long sex scene yeah and that it was like, a... the middle of the movie
2: it was everything but, you know, penetration. So it was right. just a full on, I guess, sort of more like a more like a cinemax kind of uh, uh, right. sex scene. But it just went on and on and on. And the crew was like, "Like, what are we? What are we making here? What is going right. on here?" And <laughs> the first day of dailies, when Mancuso, Frank Mancuso, who is not on the set every day like he had been, uh, is watching it with the editor, Bruce Green, and. They're just like, oh, okay, like this is not, this is not going the way it should be going. So at that point, Mekuso kind of starts to step in more, and but but the uh, apparently Steinman was just very aggressive when filming these death scenes. That um, he was very fixated on extreme violence, and it was to the point that it was, I think, making it uncomfortable for some people, and and the actors here all of them they knew what they were in for they knew um uh, well actually i take that back at first they didn't because when they casting was happening for this movie they uh they did not know they were auditioning for friday the 13th they they thought it was a movie called repetition that (laughs) um they really knew nothing about it and it wasn't until they were basically signing their contract that they were made aware that it's Friday the 13th part five. So, um, they did this, uh, the producers did this to get, uh, the attention, uh, keep, keep the attention of the unions away from them. This is apparently a non-union film that, uh, they didn't, they just didn't want eyes on the movie and, and more attracting more attention than it needed. So, uh, nobody really knew until they were uh, on board the project which is interesting but once they were on you know they knew what it was like they knew that these characters are about it's you know you're not going to get a lot of takes you're not going to get a lot of direction it, it is what it is the women are going to be uh you know exploited uh, really just to be frank about it that um and and steinman was did that with with uh Melanie Kinman who plays Pam Like you see these shots of her At the end of the movie running around in the rain With a white shirt with no bra And is just these Long shots of her just Standing
1: like catching her breath And what else yeah. you know
2: Like what do you think people are looking at Like <laughs> Well
1: it's funny I read I read an article where in an interview she said Those were her favorite scenes
2: I know yeah Not really. I'm
1: like okay Uh I think also just real quick before we move on past Steinman, is it should go mentioned that there's a lot of rumors about drug use on, on set and mm-hmm. his being influenced, you know, under the influence of cocaine and like even even in certain scenes, like being awesome. not even being able to direct and and someone else having to step in to direct the scenes. So you know, there was a lot of that kind of stuff going on as well. So sounds like he had an awesome time making this movie. Yeah, very 80s. <laughs>
3: yeah dude coke making movies hollywood uh a lot of well a lot of drug use of characters in the movie right or not a lot but not a lot there's uh and then there's there's what there's some weed but some coke the coke's only with that one guy i guess yeah bob desimone yeah who's who's he had worked with
2: uh with danny steinman before and he was he was the one who said like I'm the only one doing fake coke. Everyone else in this <laughs> movie is doing real coke all the time, except me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, but I think it then, influenced, I think the, the cocaine uh, was everywhere on this movie and, and really had an impact on on how it was being made,
3: you know? Right. Well, it's, it's weird that I, th- I feel like based on all the gore and stuff that they had to cut, they left so many like lingering shots or just a slow, slow steps to get to the next thing. Like this movie could have been, you probably could cut like five to 10 minutes of just like the momentum of getting things. I think they like, and they maximized like having Corey Feldman just like, constantly going back to him just going gasping and like yeah it's just like get get to it like what what's going on here like it wasn't they didn't have the tension it lost the tension because it took so long to get somewhere yeah. Like yeah early on in the film um so there's these moments of like well this 90 minute film could easily be 80 <laughs> 79 minutes because they right. cut all the all the all the obviously or cut all the long sex scenes and and gory you know yeah. kill shots
1: still um, able to squeeze 21 kills in
3: a lot yeah. of kills and <laughs> you
1: know, it's like wow
3: i think you had two full, like topless women and 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 obviously melanie through her own shirt and- mm-hmm. i
1: mean there's a ton of there's a ton of nudity right like there's the, here's what's the i forget the lady that um uh here's whatever that's her big line oh,
3: she says show t- it's showtime oh yeah flashes herself in the at bathroom.
2: the uh, the wait the waitress at the restaurant
1: yeah, yeah, there's there's that scene. There's obviously the scene out in the woods. Yeah. Um, and I think there's the scene where uh, the one lady jumps up into the top bunk and... and oh, right, right, right. Finds yes. the, the... Yeah, Robin. Yeah, Robin. Robin. And then, yeah. yeah, there's like 30 minutes of Pam running through the woods with the see-through shirt.
2: Well, How's and it? and Robin's was... So some of them flat out said, no matter what, not doing topless scenes so the actress who plays violet said that uh but the the actress uh, who played robin it was like middle of the night they'd been shooting all day and uh she had said she wasn't going to do any any topless scenes and then steinman just approached her and said okay now you're going to take your top off and he basically like sort of bullied her into doing it and it was like either that or they're going to have bigger problems. And she's just, she kind of Jeez. gave in and that's horrible. horrible. That's horrible. That's terrible. Yeah. yeah. I
3: hate this. And shit. it would
2: happen. I, I think, especially in horror movies, stuff like that happened all the time that, um, yeah. Uh, there was an act, actually the, the act, an actress named Darcy DeMoss, who will appear in Friday, the 13th part six was originally cast as Tina. And in the audition, uh, you're supposed to be made aware of, of, nudity requests before you even go to the audition she goes to the audition and steinman again like fires it at her like let me see you know lift your shirt up let me see your breasts and she refused to do it and then apparently uh you know left the audition and ended up still getting the part and after that according to her that steinman steinman propositioned her and did the casting couch move on her and she uh and then like the next day she was fired and and Pamela Sue Voorhees, and that's her real last name, believe it or not, is recast as Tina.
1: Pamela you know, Sue or Deborah?
2: Deborah. Deborah Sue. Sorry. Debra yeah. S- yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, some not good stuff going, going on behind Super cool,
3: guys. Super cool.
2: But the interesting thing is that the rest of the, a lot of the rest of the actors, um, you know, really didn't have problems with him. E- even Melanie Kinnaman didn't, really have a lot of issues with him and felt like he was communicating with them and wasn't yelling at them. And, um, you know, I I think the guys John Shepard and Shavar Ross also had a little bit of an easier time with him, uh, than maybe
3: some of the women did, but sure. I mean, no one's totally awful, right? There's always going to be someone that says, yeah, he's good. He's a nice guy. That's funny. Like, I don't think he's, and he's not like a villain, but clearly these choices are like an abusive, it's just an abusive way to get you know, these filmmakers did this stuff. I and mean, it's just, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's just part of the, the, uh, how it was with these horror movies. Yeah. So,
1: it really was in the 80s. I mean, it was a big, like, that's, it was gore and sex. Like, that was yeah. kind of the, the formula.
3: Which as a child, again, like a kid, I didn't get any of it. So that, again, this is another turnoff for me. Like, not that I was like, again, like, you know, if you don't really understand it like i don't know i was just like totally ignorant to a lot of stuff so like sex, the sex stuff was weird and the Mm -hmm. like murder gore stuff was weird like i didn't i was definitely all of that stuff was a turnoff for me like as far as being a viewer of this i wasn't a teen you know so it wasn't for me at the time and i was very much into kid stuff of of my age so i wasn't watching this stuff so like it was hard to get into um and then later, I don't know. It just seemed like kind of then it seemed childish when I was older. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, I mean, storytelling and just you know, got evolved so much further. You know, with the even the cheesy horror movies these days are are. Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of times more creative and more thought out than than some of this. A lot of these are very simple stories, just leading from one set piece to the next. You know, whether that's a gory set piece or or a sexy set piece whatever like those are kind of it's just those moments filled in with some fluff
3: yeah well that's why like the modern the modern horror stuff like I don't see why anyone would project this like if you're a horror fan there's just tons of great horror out there because at least you're trying to artistically give like characters motivation and something to do like I don't know like The House of a Thousand Corpses, Rob Zombie's movie from like twenty years ago, right? Like it's uh,
1: yeah, man, is that twenty years ago? Yeah,
3: (laughs) easily. Uh, And like I don't know, like but even
1: that's an homage to like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and those movies. You know, I mean, like that's not, you know, I mean, it's not a. I know. I wasn't saying it's innovative or fresh,
3: but like. I like, feel like like these regular characters just go into this house of horrors and they exist in this way and that's who they are. And it's just sort of like, that's kind of like, I was like, that's kind of, it wasn't, you, I didn't need the backstory necessarily of them. Yeah. Or, but like, even just like, I don't know, just, it seems like the horror, modern horror made by studios wanted to at least inject like reasons for things happening and yeah like not necessarily play down to the audience's intelligence all the time
1: yeah Um, exactly i I think that's true i think at least the ones that stand out these days i'm sure mm -hmm. that they still happen but the ones that seem to get recognized and get uh talked about more are the ones that don't take the audience to be you know yeah ignorant and you know like they they Believe they're intelligent viewers, you know, which yeah. is not like what a lot of this was.
2: Well, yeah, well, the, which is why movies like Halloween and movies like A Nightmare on Elm Street and, and a you know, a bunch of others, even in the 80s, that that were so had such an impact because it gave you something to think about, it gave you it, it treated the audience with respect and intelligence and didn't just, you know, do kind of what so many of them were doing uh, throughout the eighties, especially is just throwing violence and sex at you and just throw it, you know, uh, yeah. r- rinse and repeat. There's really not a lot of differences in a lot of these, these films. They're fun, but
1: yeah, you know. I mean, nightmare on Elm street with one simple like story point, as far as like, this is a psychopath who kills you in your dreams eliminates the whole like person. Why is that person running and falling and you know like all this stuff now like all these things that happen are part of the story where it's like oh he can just manipulate your dream and make it impossible for you to escape instead of just some imbecile running through the streets and tripping on their shoelace and not being able to get away like yeah. kind of the, one of those big kind of cliche 80s horror moments you know so yeah but anyway
2: yeah and, and each of these, you know each of the films in this franchise had a different angle that made it stand out. That you know, the first one is obviously it's the who done it, the mystery of of you know, and, and there's a lot of there's actually not a huge amount of gore in the first one. A lot of it is implied and assumed, but you don't really see a, a lot. You do see some, but um and then the reveal at the end that it's it's this the mother character of, of uh um Betsy Palmer's character. But uh you know, so that works. Obviously, that's such a hit. The second one really starts building the formula of the tr- traditional formula of the Friday the 13th movie. The third movie, you've got your 3D element, which was <laughs> that alone is just good fun. times. Good stuff. That's fun. <laughs> and then, four, you have a, a child and his sister that are it's a different layer that, you know, a real family um, trying to survive here that you're more emotionally connected with played by a great actor uh, with Corey. And, you know, and then we get to this one where we don't really know what it is. We don't it, like, is this Jason is, are these red herrings? You know, we talked about that already and, and we don't really care about any of these characters. There's no reason other than Tommy, who's completely different than, um, and we don't know. it's like is he like is he crazy and e- sort of turning evil or is he gonna turn around and be the hero here? And you just you don't really get it and when it comes together at the end, it doesn't it just doesn't really work for
3: for most people. yeah I think there I think it's it's really it takes a certain skill set to make the tension leading up to these kills really work. And if you're stuffing all these kills in it and then unfortunately having to edit around them, like it's, it just turns out to be a mess. Like the, you know, the, like you said, the money shots are just, you know, you don't have them. Like I'm sure a lot of those gory kills looked awesome. And for what they were, but all you see is aftermath, you know, you don't yeah. and, and not much of it. Um, So yeah, it's like the thing the the movie is supposed to have doesn't have it. And then you have characters that you don't care about, played played pretty like, and with a lot of like weird characters that like color the color the little universe, but ultimately like fail as a group of, of people. Like it just yeah. like, who, who the hell are all these weird, wild, yet like loud characters?
2: <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I really don't blame the actors in this situation. Yeah. I, I, I do think, no. I think the, I think the blame... Yeah. As it falls on Steinman and, and some of the other creative uh, team members. And I think, you know, the producers take some of the blame as well, but um, like John Shepard who plays Tommy, I think he actually did a great job. I think he, he's a, he's a solid actor. I mean, he's from, he studied with Lee Strasberg. Like, he's, he is yeah. definitely someone who has talent here. And yeah. I guess out of all the actors, like he's, probably given the most to work with that he's he has a motivation, he has a backstory, he has a connection to Jason. So so there's something there. But um he really went sort of method on this on this uh performance and that he stayed away from everybody when he was around them. He was real quiet and reserved, didn't talk to anyone. Um he really just worked with with uh the his stunt team and his stunt double and and um you know focused on on that end of the character, but but I think you know, I think it was solid. It wasn't, um, you know, a lot of these horror movies, some of the performances are a little bit laughable and and you can look back at it and it just doesn't play. I think his does,
3: uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, that's the thing, I don't even if I'm like saying this character's crazy, this you know, wild and doesn't make sense and all that. I think everyone was effective for what they were trying to do. Like yeah. uh, Ethel and Junior. Like actually, uh, I forget the, her name who plays Ethel. I mean, uh, you can tell like she's a real actress, like really yeah. given it. Like she's it's, it's a, but like she's given like she says the f she says the f word a lot. Not that it, that bothers me clearly, but like it's sort of like it was just a, like not written the right way. Like to show her anger this it's like she has to, to curse at everybody like this, but she, she she could just play it angry. Like she could just play this, like, you know, kind of off, off kilter, like angry person and it would work. Um, but you can tell like when dialogue is not quite written the right way, it's, it's really hard to make it work. Uh, no yeah. matter how good you are, you know, like it, there's an art to it, obviously not just in like creating story, but also just straight up dialogue. Um, so it's a, so yeah, I think all these actors like, and if they were told to improvise stuff, none of them are very good improvisers, but if that's if that was the case, I have no idea if they were told to improvise, but you know, I, I guess they're all just having fun there, right <laughs> like, yeah, they're absolutely. all just having a good time
1: yeah i I agree, I think they're all i mean, even though they're over the top, I think they all deliver like solid over the top performances, you know, like yeah it's it's kind of. Like the writing is bad and the, the performances are too over the top, but at the same time, like they all land for what they are. I think the the lady who plays Ethel, I think her name is Carol Lockatel.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
1: yeah. and she, you know, like she's, she's great. great. Like I was watching her and I was like, man, this lady's straight out of dinner theater. But like, if I saw her in dinner theater, I'd be like, man, you're killing it. Yeah. You know? So this, she also reminds me of. I forget. I don't know the name of the. The character but like the the lady in pete's dragon like the 77 uh the 1977 version of pete's dragon where it's yeah. it's the lady trying to find pete at the very beginning like she mm. just like stands out very like shrill and over the top and just like too much to handle but it lands like it works i think all the characters do i yeah. mean again they're caricatures but like they're kind of perfectly crafted caricatures well, she and
2: she was she has said that the most direction she got was how to, how to squeeze the tomato when she gets killed. Yeah. Oh, jeez,
3: yeah. Like uh, most of her dialogue, she just came up with. Oh, so she went that to that bad fun. place with that because I I didn't get I I was just like oh, she's just kind of like cursing for no reason again I have no problem I am t- like a sailor, um and I I have a feeling I'm more off putting than I think I am, um. Because it's just sort of like and but to me it was like she's a little off-putting by just like you know the way she's talking. it was, it was kind of weird. It's kind of maybe a self-reflective moment for me um, <laughs> yeah. to, to, to consider my words more more carefully.
2: I'm glad these bring yeah. some introspective uh,
3: thoughts to you these yeah. films, David. I every Friday the 13th I learn something new about myself.
1: <laughs> That's what makes them great.
3: No. It's, what, it's very it's very good for introspection and self-reflection. <laughs>
1: Oh man, this movie's just got a lot of weird moments. That whole like dance scene with the, or the girl, uh, uh, oh, Violet? Violet, yeah, doing Violet's the pop doing and lock dance. or whatever. Like, what is going yeah, on? And again, that.
2: she can't. That was something she came up with because she was, she was a self admitted big time party partier at this point point was, you know, going to the clubs every night. And that was what was popular then. And she just, she's like, I'm
1: going to practice this while we're doing this. Scene. Yeah,
2: she just came up with it. And, uh, Yeah. I don't know her and Robin and the, the uh, gentleman with the stuttering issue, you know, they're all just kind of there. And what's his name is that Eddie, Eddie. Yeah. 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 That, um, you know, they, they don't really mean anything until it's time to just stack up the bodies. And then they're just fodder for the killer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it. They just stack the body count. There's no real need for any of them, except to add, like, I don't know, some kind of diversity to the, to the cast as far as like, Oh, we can, we can check as many boxes as possible. We've got, we've got, you know, cool in the gang over here. We got, (laughs) we got pop and lock over here. You know (laughs) I mean? It's just like, what's going on?
2: Yeah. Um, I will say that I really did, I really did enjoy, uh, Shavar Ross as Reggie. And yeah. I remember, you know, yeah. at the time, like that kid was everywhere. He was, uh, Wasn't Reg- in different strokes. Yeah. He was, yeah. I don't know if he was a series regular, but he was in it a lot. I mean, he was Gary Coleman's like best friend, I think. On right. that. So he's in, but he was all over, you know, TV at that point. And I don't think he was in too many movies, but, um, this was a big move for him that it's, you know, it's kind of similar to Tommy in the final chapter that, you know, he's a child that is, you want to see, you want to see him survive. Like you, you really don't want anything to happen to this kid. And, and he had some yep. personality too. And um, I, I think I, I would have been interesting to see if they ever brought his character back, but which sadly they don't.
0: Yeah,
3: I think, I think, I think we need to see Reggie again if they ever revi- revitalize the franchise.
2: Yeah, Reggie and well, Tommy.
3: When we make the remake.
2: It was the new new beginning. Wait, a real quick question
3: John, Is, are any of these characters in that video game uh that you have No, played? no, the Friday the 13th video game for PS4? Yeah. <laughs> uh <laughs> that unfortunately- I know it's like that's all the camp camp it's all the campers and stuff, but it was like yeah. they insert these like townsfolk people into that no
2: and and they they couldn't because they they need you know you need to go back and get everybody's permission and they didn't did not do that they get uh, there's a lot of them that like look like some characters from the from the different movies but Mm -hmm. no not specifically any of these characters it would have you know you could do that if you really wanted to go all out and and uh, you know the franchise if it weren't in such a um terrible time as far as the rights and ownership go and the legal issues that are still going on um boy i mean you could do a you could do almost an entire game for each movie you know if you wanted to if not just like a level for each movie um right
1: well i think that'd be the way to go
2: yeah they could get it
1: figured out they could still release new levels i mean you do so much of that game online that
2: yeah yeah i mean they they threw in the towel and they gave up and and said that they're not producing any more new content for those games doesn't mean that down the road once the rights things settle that somebody else isn't going to come along and try to work that out because i think i think that would sell really well i think you've got a built-in audience for something like that for a game like that like yeah you play as as um as adrian king from the first film then you you know you hit Certain characters from each of the movies, all the way through, and why not be Reggie from uh New Beginning? Yeah,
0: right,
1: right. What's the latest on the legal stuff? Is there any new progress on any still, of that it's Still, uh, all it, caught up.
2: Well, I mean, I wouldn't say it's progress, but um, uh, the they did rule in favor of uh, uh Victor Miller, who was the original writer, so all the rights the rights sort of reverted back to him, and then now Sean Cunningham is. Uh, appealing. Yeah, it's appealing. <laughs> so it's stuck in that and then COVID hit and the pandemic and shut down and there's been no movement in the last year
3: and a half. So um it's so Victor it's, Miller still has I mean based on that ruling he has the rights to the Jason character like, to the Jason character. Yeah. So it. and not
2: that you know he won't turn around and make deals to license it, but for the moment it's completely frozen and that's why we see no new production of anything that game happened to come out like right before the lawsuits got to a point where everything froze so
1: same with the remake of the first movie right like yeah that well that was
2: like that well technically that's a remake of the second movie
1: well very good
2: and uh it is yeah that was like 2010 or 11 so that was
3: you know a few years before but you gotta figure like 40 years later like you're only of a certain age at this point if you had have a piece of it just negotiate to have that piece and then just license it, get it out. get it. You're yeah. not, when are you going to make your money? You, you yeah. haven't made any money in years like on this. So even if you have to give away some of it, like, just get it. Done. Like, I mean, it's obviously more complicated than that, but like if everybody wants it, like everyone should have a piece of it and just be happy because
1: you, you don't have a lot more time left to spend that money. Yeah, <laughs> No I offense. Mean, at, but also at the same time, like the wind, yeah, I don't know. Is the has the window passed?
3: I don't think anyone gives a shit about Friday the Thirteenth. That isn't a forty-plus-year-old person. Well, but...
2: that's that's because there's been no reason to have a younger audience care because they haven't done anything. There's been
1: well, mm-hmm. I mean, the 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 remake was a remake. Happened. It was in you know.
2: No, but that was so. But even that was so long ago. Look at Halloween. You know, the, they. You know, the mm-hmm. way they rebooted. I mean, I don't know if it's a reboot, but you know what I mean? Relaunched that franchise was really, was very, it was, it was done very smart. You know, it was a smart way to do it and it it connects Mm -hmm. it with the old fans and with new fans and that now they're keeping it going. Um, You know, Friday could have done that, but now with, with this, you're right. Like it's, it's really foolish on everybody's part. Just settle it, come to an agreement, move on. You can all start making money. You could and, that, and I assume that they probably will reboot this franchise, do a true reboot of it, and yeah. people
3: would go for it. Yeah. And you could really plan it out. plan a plan your first trilogy, like all these blockbusters do, but keep it simple. like don't you don't have to add like levels of intrigue, but like build the story. Get maybe by the by the end of the third movie, you, you get to uh, where Tommy is introduced, and then you can kind of tease like, okay, if we're gonna do more, we bring Tommy in and something yeah. like who knows? Like you can go you
1: can go crazy,
3: or you or you do new compelling t- characters, like who knows? Yeah.
1: yeah, I guess Halloween's a better point of reference for this reboot than say like the yeah, like, Elm Street reboot would be. That's yeah, the thing.
3: yeah. Halloween is like the is the motivation to just settle this case. Yeah. Like, oh my god, like yeah. look what they did. Like they did it. I I don't care for Halloween all that much, but I love that remake. <laughs> like that yeah. that new part two. Uh that was great, it was fun. Yeah, I I, I want to watch more of that than I want to watch the old movies. Oh, I don't, oh, wanna, gonna, I don't give you, a shit about the old. They're movies. coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, when is it? Halloween Kills? Is that this? Is it this that's fall? Uh yes, yeah, that's this, this, this this October. October. Right? Yep, but for Halloween. I'm yep. I'm in.
1: Yeah, and we oh. might
3: have to do a special uh, bonus
2: episode on that.
1: Yeah, well, let's yep. do it. Might need to a, a
2: a presents. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. what they are. They are consinimations. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. This there's there's just so much uh, good stuff <laughs> that just it really isn't working in the favor of this movie, and and kind of all coming to a climax at the end, where finally we we see it is it is a jason it is someone in a jason mask. We are now assuming at this point it is Jason unexplained how he's returned, but, you know, we guess it is, Uh, you know, you've got another clue in the mask that it's a different mask. It's got the blue points on it instead of the red ones. And there's no like chunk taken out from where he got axed in the head from part four. Uh, But, you know, we come to the end where we get this climactic battle and finally Tommy does uh, try to come to the rescue and fight Jason and, and and tackle his demons and um you know meet it head on and this this I think a pretty cool action sequence in the barn did you guys as far as an action sequence did you guys uh, what do you guys think about that?
3: Mm, it, it yeah more or less works. I feel like you could have shaved 15 20 seconds out of there to up the, ratchet up the tension a little bit like keep it so I feel like I was kind of dragging it a little bit but that's in the magic of editing. I'm no editor, but it more or less worked. Uh, Yeah. Like uh, it's kind of exciting.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the Uh, whole last kind of like battle scene, you know, all the, the Pam stuff leading up to it. Like, I think it's all pretty decent, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think to David's point, it's, it certainly could have been tightened up a little bit, but I think it's pretty good up until the big, money shot to use a term from from uh earlier in the podcast from you john with, yeah. with roy burns roy, <laughs> roy.
0: so
2: it's the big reveal as jason is kicked off the uh top level of the barn into of course a bed of spikes waiting just below as as is always on the farm just beds of spikes just sitting around
1: <laughs> that's yeah that happens Right. Well, yeah yeah. The mask. Comes it does. Off. That, that's real. I think I don't. I actually, as much as that's sarcastic, John. I think there's lots. I think oh, there is yeah. that's heavy. heavy that's for the hay. Or heavy heavy hay? dangerous. Yeah, heavy dangerous machinery like that on farms for sure. Yeah. Well, my yeah, farm. The, my farm, not. <laughs> your farm is safe. Safety. It's safety it's safe.
3: first. It's got rounded edges everywhere. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Padding and rounded edges. Yeah. That's how you, get that's you how you done, run.
1: but at least it's safe.
3: And when whenever
2: you're done with it with the. The hay bales you flip those spikes over so there's spikes down that's spikes right that's down, it spikes down, yeah right. uh but yeah so uh the killer is impaled the mask comes off and we see who is it who's it been this whole time it's not vic who's escaped and it's not the sheriff and it's not that drifter who was killed earlier that mysterious drifter nope it is Roy, the paramedic, Roy. From the beginning who gave it away with his intense look upon seeing his the the dead body of his son that he disowned. And- yeah, the son that
1: he left because he didn't love him, and now he, all of a sudden he's yeah. bonded with him over over. Where his- did that
3: guy get a recent photo of that of the? <laughs> well, <laughs> that I In it. his <laughs> wallet. Yeah, he says, like, "Oh boy, yeah. he's he's looking at him from afar." And then when he the kid the kid he's abandoned the kid who thinks he's an orphan. Yeah uh who's probably 25 years old frankly uh yeah. is dead now he's gonna go out for revenge and he and luckily he already was tracking the jason Voorhees story so <laughs>
1: yeah i think exactly. i mean tommy being
3: there was a coincidence like he didn't even i don't think he knew like no maybe you know if so Tommy just,
1: wasn't there all this still would have happened it would yeah. have
3: happened exactly like yeah that tommy is not a catalyst for anything that's here nope. and and he just I mean, disappears for a large chunk of that movie. So it like he looks like the killer. Like you don't even know right. where he was. Like right hour. Yeah. An and there's hour. all
1: this, there's all this like forced exposition that happens, like to to explain, like, oh, it's Roy. It was his son and yada yada. But I mean, when your big reveal is the guy on the spikes down below and you're like squinting to see who it is, and you still have no F idea who yeah. the guy is, like that's not working real well for you yeah
3: if you weren't even paying attention you wouldn't be like you'd be like oh wait who is that like i of like
1: he's in like he's in like 10 he's in like two minutes of the movie like there's a scene where he's scowling around angry because we find out his son got chopped up and then there's another awkward moment where the sheriff says something he's like are you talking to me sheriff yeah they like reintroduce him again just so you see him twice yeah you know it's like come on guy
3: yeah. And he just happens to be continue to follow every one of these kids around. Like, they, he, bl- you know, he blames them all. Like, why did he stick around to kill, to kill Demon and Anita? Like, why need, why wouldn't he chase after Reggie? And like, there's you know, no like, answer, Dave. Yeah. There, there's no answer. There's just that. no reason for some of this. <laughs> yeah.
2: So just, you know, and that's the thing is like, at least with the other movies, love him or hate him, there is a some sense of logic of why Jason is. Out to get revenge I mean it's revenge For his mother's death and anyone in that Area is on his list Whether they have anything to do with anything Or not just them being There uh, is a problem So here it just doesn't It just doesn't there's no reason for it You know other than You know if he was going if Vic Was still around you know even if Vic hadn't been arrested (laughs) If Vic were still there and he's Going through to get to Vic like That would make
3: sense yeah, but yeah. he's not. They so They should have said like he ran like Vic ran off where there's going to be a manhunt for him. But right. I yeah. guess that would complicate. Well, things. that would also make yeah. the red herring. Is it is Vic the killer? You know, right. yeah, there, there could have been easier ways to just keep focusing on three or four different characters that could be doing the murders that look like Jason. And then, you know, like the Roy character went all out. He had a prosthetic like, or he had a mask. With a busted up ear and bald like, like head, like he, you know, it.
1: Like yeah, he was wearing like he was wearing one of Tommy's masks that he made underneath. His yeah, locking. like yeah. clear, like, like you know, you
3: it's wild. Like there's some conveniences here that really work in Roy's favor.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I just think also like it's important in you know this movie and Halloween and Nightmare, like all these kind of movies that there's some kind of supernatural element to the. To the uh, antagonist, you know, because like you reveal Roy, and it's like it was Roy, like yeah, yeah. Roy was doing the killing, like all <laughs> Roy, non-scary Roy, like, really, <laughs> like, like come on,
3: yeah, yeah, I don't know. yeah. I like so, the idea. I like the the pepper. Uh, keeping it all supernatural. If all three of these characters were supernatural based which they all end ultimately ended up being right in a sense like yeah,
1: well i, don't I mean Michael Michael... Myers, i don't know but like you gotta give it i mean i i think it's implied in certain cases and in other stories it's not but like you mm-hmm. know i i think i think it carries through well, we
2: will, uh, David. Uh, starting in our next movie, we're going to get to some supernatural stuff with uh, our old pal Jason Voorhees when he does make his triumphant Ugh. return in a Jason genius, lives. genius, way to bring that character back. But that we'll save yeah. that for next year. So right. that's right. Uh, but that's you know that's the reveal of Roy is not the very end of the movie. We've it's got not. to end with our traditional uh, Friday the Thirteenth jump scare cliffhanger ending. And here they've had, they had sort of multiple versions of it. John Shepard uh, went to Danny Steinman and said, Hey, I've got like another idea. Uh, my, my friend and I we, we wrote a version of it, which is what you basically what you see in the movie. His friend at the time was an actor by the name of Michael Hitchcock, which uh, oh, really? is one of the act, regular actors in Christopher guests films and many other uh things a great great actor that huh. uh it's funny that uh he has a very strange connection to the friday the 13th franchise years before his career really got going so oh, wow yeah uh, I know so Mike they r- they wrote guy? the uh they wrote the we call it a hitchcockian ending of
0: uh <laughs> of
3: loose. A new loose beginning <laughs> connection it's uh it's funny though because he has the dream and this, the hallucination and you think that like he's kind of beating it right and then he ends up giving in anyway like I kind of don't like that like I, I wanted it's, it's, it's a it's a double like thing right he has the horror the horror he has the nightmare of killing um, Pam. Pam and then like and then he has he hallucinates Jason and then like embraces him and pulls him in like he, he's been fighting him the whole time and then, then ta- and then he takes him in.
1: It's kind of yeah. I was like, oh Tommy, oh yeah. no. But I think that's the whole idea, right? So that the, yeah. the next, it's the inevitable movie, end. Like, yeah, it, like for the next movie, because I think they're still like toying with the idea that maybe they're handing this off to Tommy Jarvis, right? And Correct. like Tommy Jarvis becomes yeah the crazy killer. Yeah, that and that so- was
2: that was the intent intention of the ending was that he will now
3: officially be Jason. Yeah. Does, the, does and so when it ends with him having a a chef's knife in that hospital room somehow, yeah. Um, with the mask, do they yeah. say? I, I don't remember. Do they say in this the next movie like that? That's that he had done that. That he killed her or anything like that. I don't even. Uh, you want the
2: answer now or in that episode? Next? Uh, no, they okay. say nothing of it, and he's uh, they recast
1: the part. It, it's completely now he's right. a, now he's a, a full on protagonist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's uh, got it. They they abandoned.
3: Yeah. They it would they... have been. It, it would have been awesome to see him in a hockey mask fighting Jason, who is returned. Like, Jason and now they versus. they both try to like try to fight each other, and one of the, one of them's gonna win, and then become the true Jason. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see
2: this franchise rebooted, all of them written by David Munchak, and see where we go.
3: I'm gonna write one more, and then the scrolling the scrolling text at the beginning is gonna say. It really was Jason's mother all along. And there's, there's going to be a cloning <laughs> vat. And it was her. Time travel.
2: Yeah.
3: There's time travel involved. There's a, there's, she's got an army of Jason Voorhees. Yeah. That no one knew about that she was able to, to create out of nowhere. Oh, it's going to be great. Can she control the weather also? Of course. It's going yeah. to be raining. It's uh, snow. All the women are brawless. less. Um, Running with all the guys are sexist pigs, <laughs> it's, it's gonna be classic. Flirty the 13th, <laughs> um,
2: yeah. So, all right, well, let's before we talk about the box office, just um, we usually go through. Does anybody have a favorite, favorite uh, death scene out of all these uh, you know, bizarre ways that people are getting killed and and they're trying to come up with more and more creative ways? I, I, I can tell you mine go ahead i'm gonna go not with the outhouse death uh but i'm gonna go with with jake getting uh wrapped the the belt wrapped around his head and the tree and the the, the head crushing you know that's it and and with a close second to tina's death with the uh garden shears to the eyes
1: okay no No, david doesn't like that you got a thing you got a thing for eyes john
3: apparently yeah yeah, uh, no, J- yeah, Jake's my number one uh, kill of the movie for sure. It's it, it's it's horrific. It's it's interesting. It's visual. It's it's very visual. Like you actually get to see like things happening. And I assume like his head was just supposed to explode like a watermelon. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, like like they do on the internet now, people putting rubber bands all over watermelons until they explode. I don't know. Look okay. it up. It's happening. Or
1: or like in part three when the actor gets his head crushed and his eye pops out. Yeah, 3D. Yeah, 3D style.
3: Yeah, what about you, Brent?
1: Uh, My favorite kill? I mean, you guys I think probably said the two most iconic, but I'm going to go with Junior's decapitation just because that character is so effing annoying. I was so glad we would not be seeing him in any more of the movie. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I'll give the actor credit for playing the worst character. Oh my in the, god! The movie. He went all out. So bad. Well, a part, a part I think he would have been kind of okay if he wasn't on the motorcycle screaming for two minutes. Like like what? Yeah, <laughs> I don't get like, like, this. Like, like yeah, like that's the thing. All these things are like long extended sequences. That you don't need but it's like they just kept using the footage like all right well we're gonna use yeah. more multiple takes
1: and allow
3: all the footage of back and forth
1: i think they literally just used the same footage twice in a oh, couple did... of spots like mm-hmm. oh i think spot, you're right that spot and when the girl is doing the dance in in her room they just like kept reusing yeah. the same take i was like okay we're just yeah, gonna just, watch this over and over again just drawing
3: yeah. it out but i mean uh, we sort of mentioned tommy just kicking ass on junior uh that was a great fight that was a g- like oh yeah. oh yeah i was like this guy knows what he's doing this
1: is yeah. cool <laughs> oh yeah there's no messing around tommy's an ass whooper like yeah I was and, like, good and, for and him i mean i don't even understand like karate kid came out i think a year or two before this yeah How but it's like i don't understand i don't understand why this guy is like some souped up martial artist like it's It's like so. It feels very out of place watching it now, but I know that karate and all that stuff was super popular at that point. But it's just like I don't know, man. Guys,
2: Tommy Jarvis, Tommy Jarvis would have destroyed the Karate Kid. He would have (laughs) wrecked Danny and three seconds well, yeah, seen,
1: We
3: see yeah we've seen yeah. what he can do like when he and he he's took that like he that like he's like lightning what
1: about the dudikoff though see that's the well I think it's well do showdown between yeah. american ninja and tommy jarvis
2: D- don't push it too far that is uh that is like that's like hulk hogan ultimate warrior level right there
1: i know yeah yeah that's the that's the showdown everybody needed to see <laughs>
3: When we when we reference our favorite kill with the eyes, were we? Do we say that's Eddie? Right? Is that Eddie? No, did that's Jake. Eddie's,
1: Eddie's the Eddie's the uh, kid who the like, stuttering hits, hits on Robin. and I think then she we totally shuts. Him I think down. we're
3: flipping it though. I think actually it's oh Eddie. yeah. I think you're right. I think we did flip it. Jake was the stutterer, so I think oh, I, like, okay. something Mind just about. rang a little fault. Like wait a minute. I think because I remember the the girl laughing at Jake when he shot. He shoots his shot. He, he, Tina, I like you. I I like you. Let's let's go to, like, I want to make love to you. And she just laughs at him and, like, yeah. oh, she just, like, made him an incel. Like, this guy's gonna, like, end up, like, you know, having an issue. And then he, and then he gets just butchered in the face. Like, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. man, like, this guy can't catch a break. <laughs> First, he, he, Tina rejects him. Vi is dancing Robin, in her Robin, room.
1: Robin rejects him.
3: Oh, Rob. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yes, Robin rejects yep, yep. him, and then Vi uh, is just dancing in a room and won't talk to him because and he needs a friend. And then he gets just like, oh, poor pathetic Jake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I just wanted to circle back, guys. No, know- Thank, Thank you for that we- correction. Yeah. The letters are going to be coming through. Fact all checker. the e- yeah, all like the know, emails, the comments. Like, guys, you don't even know who died. Um, I know that stopped the momentum of what we were saying here, but I've I've already fired
2: three of my assistants for letting that <laughs> how dare through they? on air. I've they're they're gone. They're already escorted out by security.
3: Well, they you know we every before every show we have them print out all the headshots of the the top one hundred characters of every movie with the actor name and character name, and apparently they they flip flop these two. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like the board just, is wrong. The big board. It's the Big board. Wrong. The hun- the hundred actors uh doesn't look good speaking so. of there there is one more actor i just
2: wanted to point out i'm sure you guys were aware of this already but the the actor who plays the head of the camp
3: yes. oh yes does he look familiar
2: Matt. Matt. He sure <laughs> yes. does yeah we saw him uh, we all saw him in indiana jones and the last crusade as the i guess what the in, in the flashback sequence in the beginning he's sort of the inspiration for the indiana jones character yeah, he so, kind of
3: resembles Harrison Ford in a in a in a bomber jacket or in a in a hat. Like, yeah, you know, he gives he him a hat too. He's got him that rugged look. Yeah. Like, yeah, Indy's hat always belonged to him.
2: Well, he's got the whole look. Yeah, exactly. The jacket and the the pants and like it, it's. I think it's what we're led to believe that Indy Indy like sort of Francis... not idolizes him, but sort of uh, I guess sort of looks up and respects him in a way. Yeah. Yeah,
3: I mean that's probably the first cool adult male he's ever met because yeah. his dad wasn't cool.
1: He has fashioned himself in in that guy's that's, image.
3: That's why I, that's why I dress uh, sort of like uh, uh, Woody from from Toy Story. He, he's yeah, the perfect. first uh, first male character I looked up to. Yeah, and that's why I'm like a cowboy. You you the
2: wear the exact outfit, and I do the same with Magnum PI. So <laughs> right, yeah, your Hawaiian
3: <laughs> shirts and that
2: and glorious must- mustache. It, absolutely. <laughs> i just wear a wig too so
3: yeah you've got all well, that hair yeah i yeah. mean it's no you can't no one can replicate that hair you, anyone would have to wear a wig
2: so david when we're walking around the studio a lot with you and your cowboy <laughs> outfit and me as magnum <laughs> pi yeah you get a lot of a lot of looks from people of just envy pure envy
3: pure envy like boy they, those are men those are men right there brent though i can't i can't track what you're who you're Male fashion influences. Who, uh, who, is, who is that? What do I, you? What do they usually look like?
1: stelly Parton.
3: <laughs> oh, those are great outfits you're wearing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, got it. Makes sense. and are Texas. On the, Texas w- on the weekends, boy.
2: it's uh, it's Luke Skywalker from Return of the Jedi, right? You've got your your black Jedi outfit and your lightsaber. Yeah. One glove. One, one glove. glove. I
1: wear the one glove. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh yep. my God! All right. So let's, uh, <laughs> you know, let's circle back to Friday five. Sure. We finished filming the movie and, and there's a lot of trouble and we, we talked about how many versions uh, went to the MPAA and the movie keeps getting cut down and, and nobody's really happy with it. I think, uh, there was an expectation that people are definitely going to come see this movie. There was, there was no way that they weren't going to have a good opening weekend, but how long was it going to hold on? And, um, You know, were the Friday fans really going to feel betrayed? And or you know, a lot of them felt like you know, you said the last one was the final movie. I'm I'm done. I'm not coming back for it. But uh, so there's a lot of questions. And Danny Steinman's unhappy that this is not the movie that he made. That it's been cut down so much that the you know so much was taken out. Uh, But it does come out May twenty second, nineteen eighty five. The, uh, we're gonna hit box office uh, glory right now. By the way, uh, the budget was two point two million, and it comes out number one. So oh, finally, yes, number one at the box office. It opened up against Porky's Revenge, The Last Dragon, and Baby Secret of the Lost Legend. That's David. You're a fan of that one, aren't you?
3: Yeah, I had the poster.
1: What is is that the dinosaur one? What is yes. baby? Yep. Okay, holy cow! It's
3: yeah. a dinosaur movie. Yeah. Is that about a baby dinosaur? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. Like a puppeteer, like animal, like dinosaur. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. David, I'm, you're I'm, nailing it.
1: You Jesus, saw it. Jesus. H. It's like Mac and me with dinosaurs. Exactly. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. You, with a dinosaur. always oh, remember. I think I saw that. I think I saw that in the, that in the theater. Is it like uh, a dinosaur
3: that hatches in in a modern times or something?
1: Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. yeah.
2: Okay,
3: I, I have yep. like a I have a vague like feeling of knowing what that is. I feel like
2: William Cat was the lead in it too, but I I can't remember. I might be mixing that up. But- that shit. I don't
1: remember.
3: Um, I just
1: remember the it was like a little baby brontosaurus or something. Yep. I don't
3: know. Yeah, I don't think I've seen the movie, but I think I might uh, I might remember it from the video commercial video yeah. store commercials are of it and it probably yeah. appealed to me in some way as a child since i, I think like it was like
1: supposed to be a pretty big deal like it, it was i think it had tie-ins at one of the fast food chains and yeah.
3: mcdonald's of, mcdonald's happy meals
1: something like that yeah but it Char- was bad. carl's jr was bad <laughs> anyway Sorry, last uh, dragon should have been the man wow that's yeah the one. that's the
3: one is that that's a f- really high fantasy uh Battle. It's like it's thing?
1: a it's like a exploitation oh. kung fu flick, man. Yeah. It's oh it's oh last dragon. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We, it's not about we, dragons.
3: It's about... we will
2: cover that movie for sure here. Got it. That feels like The Last Dragon feels like an EK uh guest star uh opportunity. Oh, so. So. let's so, get let's,
1: lay, let's plant that seed now. You know he Go owns ahead. that shit. Yeah. <laughs> EK, we want you for that for sure
2: get in there but uh so yeah so the movie does well it it has um you know a hot start eight million dollar opening weekend so already like they knew they made their money it is it is a hit but very quickly the word of mouth starts going around that this movie all the problems within this movie and that it's not jason you know you did a whole friday the 13th movie without him that's not what we want to see like yeah you know fans
1: fans felt ripped off
2: yeah So by week three, it's already out of the top 10. So that is one of the steepest fall, you know, drop-offs in, Mm. uh, you know, uh, probably in the history of the franchise, but um, it ends up uh, with 22, about 22 million. So again, it is a, it's a big hit, uh, but it is, uh, you know, probably about 10 million ish less than the final chapter. So um, it's, not the hit that they want it to be or were hoping for but they'll take it (laughs) um it ends up number 38 in 1985 uh just slammed right in between the care bears movie and the black cauldron
1: oh wow all right
3: (laughs) i may have seen the care bears movie in theaters
2: i did i feel like i did as well for sure yep the um uh, this one, if you look at all the Friday the 13th films, it is the number six uh, bo- uh, as far as uh, the box office take. So uh, it falls. It's not as successful as four. It's a little bit more successful than two. So uh, it's sort of right in the middle. But this uh, there's a big, bigger fallout for the franchise in that the audience has felt betrayed. And now. Now how are you going to get them back? And honestly, this is sort of the beginning of the downward trend of the franchise, whether or not you personally enjoy some of the later films. Like I really love six Uh, Brent. I know you're a huge fan of seven, Yep, but they're just, uh, it's on the downward swing and and the audiences it's tough to win them back to it. And especially with the MPAA just being all over these movies now and causing lots of problems and you know part of what made the the first handful of them so much fun we can't go there anymore so we have to find other gags for the rest of these movies and six we've got our sort of meta uh, self-referential almost like a dark comedy version of jace uh, of friday the 13th seven you've got your your uh your carry and fire starter yeah yeah kind of take on things with telekinesis powers and and then yeah. 8 you've got uh, Jason takes Manhattan which was you know a gimmick
1: unto itself.
2: Yeah, that doesn't even really pay yeah. off but yeah. I mean,
1: it's it's Jason's trip to Manhattan. Yeah. Most of which
2: is spent Mostly on a the boat. trip <laughs> the trip part of it. <laughs> uh and that really is the end of Paramount's involvement that they, you know, if these aren't gonna make the kind of money that they were, then it's time to throw in the towel. But we still got a few more movies uh, before we get to that point. So yeah, um, but yeah, this was uh, a lot of the damage was was done starting with this movie here. Um, I don't know. what do you uh, let's let's rank this movie. What do you think on our our Reconcina scale one to ten? What do you, uh, let me revise that. As a Friday the 13th film, how do you, how would you rank it? One being, you know, God awful and 10 being the best, most pure
1: Friday film. Where would
2: you put this one?
1: So one, one being Jason Goes to Hell. Yeah. 10 being part four.
2: Yeah. Part two, part four. Yeah. I'm going to, I'll tell you, I'm going to give it a, three oh okay i'm gonna I, i'll give it a 3.5 because there's a few interesting kills and i you know overall i can have a good time with the movie but you know the the problems that it has is just so you know watching it this time i really saw all the like things that just don't add up and don't make sense they really didn't bother me before but this time now i'm the one who is like huh this uh there is a tremendous amount wrong that just doesn't add up and it doesn't come together.
1: See, it's funny. I'm almost the opposite. <laughs> so I think, I think when we did Friday, the 13th, three, we ranked all the like, which movies were our favorite and or from least favorite to favorite or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think I put this one as my like, second to last because i'm pretty positive jason goes to hell is my least favorite it is, it is for across, me too across the board and i think i had this is my second to last but after re-watching it this time i i kind of don't mind as much as i used to like all the garbage and 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 watching there's so many different things in this movie that i picked up watching it this time that help sell the story of it not being Jason that I was like, okay, yeah. I mean, there are things that I probably picked up before, but like for whatever reason, I just kept getting so upset at that ending. It being not Jason, but
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I was kind of all in. I still don't think it's great, but I think that it might not be my second to last anymore. Mm -hmm. It might be, it might've bumped up a spot. It might've bumped up a spot. All right. Nice. That being said, yeah, it's probably still a three. So I'm gonna agree agree with you. (laughs) All that, all that to go to go say, yeah, you're probably right. It's a three and a half. It's a three and a half, maybe a four. I mean, because what? There's twelve movies, right? Yeah. So in theory, in theory, like if there's twelve movies and we're ranking them uh, on this scale, like they're gonna fall.
3: One, two, three, four, five. Into
1: where we. Yeah have them ranked right yeah Against yeah so yeah i'd uh, say probably
3: three three and a half maybe uh I, for someone who doesn't have necessarily a f- i don't care if it's not jason <laughs> like yeah. so this is like a 4.5 to a five like this seems like all the other movies in some fashion i think it's but you just haven't seen so, them i all think others, it's david i've i've there's only one more that i had well i guess i saw six you guys which i cannot recall it was late it was late it was late i was was like i couldn't couldn't believe the third one's starting up i'm like i'm still here like oh (laughs) this movie sucked like so yeah i'm sure it'll all come back to me when i have to review that and then i there's one more that i had seen so yeah there's still uh but for what i've already taken in ah you know it's uh, it's basically like the rest (laughs)
1: you've seen seen five of them and there's 12 right so
3: i've seen now i've seen six plus the other one where i guess it's jason goes to hell i think oh okay yeah with the heart the heart and the heart uh, uh, transferring about it so so that's yeah that's and that was the first jason movie i've ever seen in from start to finish so so i've seen a total of seven of them this one seems like all the others (laughs) But so you haven't like a...
1: seen you haven't seen Jason X. You haven't seen Freddy versus Jason, right? Like, oh wait, I think I did see Freddy versus Jason. Oh, you did? Okay, All I right, did. Well. I don't really quite remember I saw that. This goes.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I'll give it like a four point five. Like you know, I don't okay. know. Yeah. Okay. Other than you know, other than the utter betrayal of like it not being Jason, which again, I don't have a I don't have a horse in that race. I don't care. Yeah. This seems like just another dumb murder movie <laughs> it's just it's just up there with the rest like uh all your all right. other favorites <laughs> this is my least favorite franchise of the three so yeah of the,
1: of the big three being of the big three Nightmare but
3: Earth. i have only seen what three halloweens at this point and the remake so i don't even know about all that crazy stuff that happens oh we're, we're getting there oh, it goes, David. It goes yeah. i mean if, if- <laughs>
1: If you're okay with three, though, I mean it still goes off the rails quite a bit, but at least Michael Myers is part of it. Yeah, Yeah, we'll
2: we'll we'll be getting to uh, we'll be continuing our looks at those other franchises this October. So stay tuned for that with Halloween Four, Nightmare on Elm Street Two, both interesting takes uh, on those franchises. So looking forward to your opinion, hearing your opinions,
3: David. If we're gonna have spooky movies this October, can we finally do Ghostbusters Two?
2: The spookiest of them all. The spookiest of the Ghostbusters.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So that's our uh, that's our take on Friday the 13th, part five, a yeah. new beginning and the beginning of the end of this franchise. But uh, uh, there's more fun to come. But so we're not even
1: halfway through the i <laughs> not no, even that's... halfway
2: done. Yeah. That's the funny thing. Is Why are we the... going to do all these? Why? Because Why
1: would you not do all these? We're
2: contractually obligated to cover all every friday the 13th film until we're done with those holidays so a holiday (laughs) it's a national holiday uh uh, all right uh don't forget to check us out on social media we are at Reconciliation podcast on twitter instagram and facebook you can always check out our archives and our back episodes and catalog at uh com. quick shout outs and thank yous to our friends uh ek Wimmer for the great new theme music and don't forget to check out his podcast laser graves anywhere you get your podcasts and to our pal curtis moore for the poster uh just always always hitting home runs that guy we love him but um all right we will uh stay tuned we're going to be back with our regularly scheduled program uh andrew mccarthy august will continue uh so stay tuned for that and we will see you next time on reconsinimation
3: take care Bye now.